We are going to be having a time to observe uh, the Lord's Supper today. It's probably different than most of you have done it before. You'll see um, in the pew racks in front of you in the cup holders, we already have a little cup. And on top of that, there's a wafer. Uh, Don't take that yet. It's going to be a few minutes. Um, If you want to take your Bible and turn to Mark 14, we are going to be encouraged by reading some scriptures that focus on the crucifixion or right before the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. Uh, While you're turning there, let me get some instructions regarding those cups. There are actually two flaps to open. There's a top clear flap that will uh, reveal the wafer that we'll do first. And then after you open that one, uh, we will actually go through and open the second foil cover that is the juice. And hopefully that'll be an encouragement and blessing for you. First time since March that we have had opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, and I know I've been looking forward to this time. Having said that, it is not, uh, when we talk about communion and the Lord's Supper, oftentimes it has almost like the third verse of that song we just sang, almost a minor feel to it, right? A minor key feel to it. Because Jesus Christ gave a command for us to remember until he comes back in the clouds his sacrifice. The shed blood of Jesus Christ, the broken body of Jesus Christ. I find it very interesting that when we look at the record in the Bible of the Lord's Supper, we do find it three times in Matthew, Mark, and, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not with very much detail. And then we find most detail regarding the Lord's Supper and what most churches will actually quote from when they talk about the Lord's Supper. We get most detail from that from a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And it's interesting because we wouldn't have all this detail that we refer to all the time if it wasn't for, are you ready for it? Some conflict that they had in the church. And that's one of the reasons why Paul wrote the letter to Corinth, the first letter to Corinth. And when we see that, he gives some good instruction there. And I'll read some verses uh, from 1 Corinthians in a little while. But before we get there, I do want to take just a moment to speak from my heart to the church family, to those that are listening over WMPC and those that might be watching through Facebook. It is a unique time that we live in. And that should not make us lose heart. We understand and we repeat throughout uh, times like this that our God never changes. But how should you respond personally? And how should we respond as a church to the unique challenges that we are currently facing? I will share with you something that I think of all the time when I think of a good church. What is a good church? church? And if I ask that question to you, likely most of you would have an answer, likely some unique answers in those responses. And there are a lot of things we could talk about when it comes to a good church, but the two things that I want to focus on go to credibility. So there's going to be credibility that we have individually talking to people about Christ and also ministering to brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's also credibility that a church has. And so I want to take just a moment to talk about this just before we um, have communion. Two goals that I am always thinking about, no matter what's going on, a unique season like we're in today or when everything's normal, 
two things that I think of. How are we doing as individuals and as a church family at unbelievers coming to Christ? People being born again, because we need to not set that aside. And how are we doing at strengthening the brothers and sisters in our local assembly? I want to go through and just give you some very practical tips. This is all practical before we jump into uh, communion today. The first thing that I want to talk about is for you personally. If you personally are going to be one that is shining of the light of Jesus Christ to another through this season, through this unique time, there are some things that God has told us that we must have that's going to help us to do that. There are some things that we must have that's going to help us to strengthen others. Here's what they are, really quick. First of all, we need to be building character. You need to be, throughout your life, building character so that when tough times come, when you get pressed in this current day, or when you face somebody who feels differently than you do about something, that you respond with a wonderful character that reflects the attributes of Jesus Christ. And we learn those in God's word. It needs to be said about you, no matter what happens, that you are a person of honesty. It needs to be said about Christians that you are a person of kindness. That you are a person that is humble. A person that is patient. You're one that stands up for what is right when it is clearly something that God has said. You stand up for what is right. We need to be building character so that we can have an audience with unbelievers and also so we can strengthen those within the church family. The second thing we need to do, we talk about all the time around here. In fact, it's our middle name around here. What's our middle name here at our church? It is Calvary Bible Church. You need to be having a practice in your own life of being in God's Word. I see the daily breads are out for distribution. Many of you have used those for years. They give a great little devotional for each day. And they also give you an opportunity to read further in God's word. But let me just challenge you that when you get pushed, when you get squeezed, what should spill out of you should be what you are learning from God's word. Knowing God's word. A 30-minute sermon one time a week, is not going to be preparing you for shining a light to the world that needs it and to be encouraging and strengthening brothers and sisters in Christ. Get in God's Word. If you want to ask me what I do um, in a private setting, I'd love to tell you what I do. Lots of things that we can do, but that's so important. And then the last one that I want to encourage us with while we go through this unique season is to understand that we are not alone. Do you know that you're not alone through this time? I know you can look around and see other people around here, but I think one of the greatest tools that the devil uses is to get you and me to think that God is somehow not paying attention. We get our focus off of that. And if you can understand that God is working all things out for His glory and for the good of His children... It does not mean that there might not be tears. There won't be pain on this side of heaven. But you are not alone. Understand if you have family in a different place, if you have uh, children that are um, in somewhere where you can't maybe talk to them a lot or touch them, 
God is everywhere. And God is present with you when you go through these trials. So there's no such thing as good luck or bad luck. All right? There's no such thing as coincidence. God can take every situation and make it into something beautiful and wonderful. And you need to be walking through this season with that in mind. Those are three things you can do personally. Building character, diving into God's word, and then also walking with an understanding that we do our best and then we trust God for the rest because he's there. He's present. And then as a church family, what can we do to have people come to Christ and to have the church family strengthened? Well, it's the same thing we've always done. Worship. Around here, we call that we are joining together for a spirit-led time of worship and praise directed to our God in response to the work of Jesus Christ. If you are a child of God and have been forgiven, you have something within you that wants to thank Him for that. We have opportunity to sing. We have opportunity to worship in different ways. Also, instruction. Instruction in a group setting is important. And honestly, I think there's something unique and special when believers gather together. There's something unique with the Holy Spirit that is there. I knew one uh, famous preacher from years ago, and when the, he was a great preacher, and there was an era when the cassette recorder just got invented, and they wanted to record his incredible sermons. And he really resisted that for a long time. And the reason was, he thought there's something that's going to be lost from that if we're recording it, and it's not that present time. Now, I'm not trying to get spooky on you. There's something so wonderful. But um, because there's folks listening over the radio and in other venues right now that are benefiting from our time. But would you be open to the fact that there's something special when God's people gather together for the same common purpose to worship and show love to him? We are to get instruction together. We're to get instruction on our own. I've already talked about that. As a church family, we're at a fellowship. And therein lies the difficulty for these days, right? How do we fellowship? You know, we don't have any dinners planned for the upcoming uh, few weeks. You don't have to have deviled eggs to have fellowship, right? You don't have to. God gave us the telephone. God gave us many different ways. Do not drop the ball with this. You have been built for community. You need to have fellowship. And so get creative. It's a great opportunity for us to continue with that. And then expression of God's love. We are taking the gospel message to the people we share life with. For those of you who have people in your family that haven't yet been born again, you have a responsibility to them. Also to the people in our communities. They're watching right now. The streets are pretty empty on Sunday mornings sometimes. For some of you, church is such a special thing, whether you're listening over the radio or coming in person. We also take the gospel message to people around the world. Can I ask you to pray specifically for our missionaries? Did you know that some of them are facing more difficult times than we are right now? I believe we had four missionaries scheduled to be here over the past three or four months, and all of them have been canceled. One coming from South Africa. She grew up in this church, and they are home. They're not able to leave, and they give updates on what they're doing. Understand how blessed you are. Do you understand how blessed we are as a people? Even though it gets discouraging and it's hard, how blessed we are. If I can just get real with this, if, if you walk over to the refrigerator and open it up and you've got several choices of what you're going to have for your meal that day, 
you're blessed, right? If you walk in your closet and you've got a choice of several pair of shoes to pick from, honestly, you are blessed. I'm not trying to pull away from the difficulty that all of us are facing and the extra stress and the pressure. But what I am trying to do is to point us to the one place that is the answer for all of this. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. As we come to the table, and we remember back the time when Christ sat with his disciples and they were celebrating the Passover that good Jews always did. And Christ took the Passover and turned it into something not just for Jews, but for all followers of Christ. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask you to to prepare your heart to wonderfully participate in this worship time. I asked you to turn over to Mark chapter 14. I'm going to read a few verses from there in just just a minute. We're also going to sing some songs to help prepare us for this communion time. But a couple of questions that we need to ask when we come to communion is, first of all, who is this for? I do not mean to be offensive to anybody when I say this. And the reason I say I don't mean to be offensive to somebody is because I've had somebody tell me a person was offended when you told them the communion was not for them. Communion is for followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sat with them and he gave them, the Bible calls it a new covenant. He instituted something new and this is one of our two ordinances of the local church. The first one being baptism and then the Lord's Supper. And so as we join together, who is this for? This is for followers of Jesus Christ. I would invite you, if you've been born again, you're saved, to participate in this time with us. And if you're not quite sure if you're born again, you're not quite sure if you're saved, whatever that means, I would ask you not to participate. And I don't mean any offense by that. In fact, I'll let you know that we're happy if you're not a follower of Christ, we're happy that you can see this. Because what is taking place when we remember the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, what is taking place is we are proclaiming, it's going to get weird here if you're not familiar with this, are you ready? We are proclaiming the Lord's death. And people outside of the body of Christ would say, what kind of sickos are you people anyway? Proclaiming death. And we celebrate the broken body of Christ, the shed blood of Christ, because it means life for us. Forgiveness of sins. Eternity with God in heaven. This is what is offered in the salvation of the cross. We celebrate grace to get through tomorrow. Brothers and sisters, look at me. We celebrate the grace to get through tomorrow. God has given you that. And we trace all this back to the cross. It's why we have hope. It's why when we mourn the loss of a loved one who knew Jesus Christ, we understand that we're only saying goodbye for a short time and there will be a union again with them in heaven. And so if this is new to you, let me give you the gospel very quickly. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to this earth, took on a human body, and that's why we celebrate what holiday? Christmas, the incarnation. He ministered for three years, and the greatest work that he did was he gave, he laid down his own life, he died on a cross, 
He was sinless. He didn't do anything wrong. He died because you are a sinner. And I am a sinner. And so I'm going to ask you in just a few moments to think about that. And you might think of the wonderful sins that you've been forgiven of. The wonderful grace that God gives. The shed blood and the broken body of our Lord. So communion is for believing people. And then the mental action is what I just said. It's to be remembering. You need to be remembering what this is for. We say, do this in remembrance of me. And so what should be going through your mind? I recognize that some of you are multitaskers. I recognize that some of you can be thinking about a dozen different things all within the space of 20 seconds, right? Some of you are good at it, right? And so it takes some work and some effort for you to push things out and just focus on what Jesus has done for us, what that means for you in this day. The events that surrounded Good Friday, the death of Christ, the, sur- the events that surrounded Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when, he, when, the, when they found the tomb empty. This is what God wants us to think about through this time. This is a historical event. There is no denying that Jesus Christ was on this earth. But it is ludicrous for people who don't know the story of Christ to think that God in heaven chose to leave heaven, God the Son, took on a human body, allowed himself to walk in this world, this painful world full of all kinds of bad stuff, and then he allowed himself to be killed, crucified, and after three days he rose from the dead. And yet that's exactly what he did. Those who eat and drink in a worthy manner partake in Christ's body and his blood spiritually by faith. We are nourished by this. And so just before we uh, turn to this time, I'm going to go ahead and have us sing a song. Sharon, I'm going to skip to the second song there, My Jesus, I Love Thee. So we're going to go to the second song there. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take your cup and hold it in your hand, but don't open it yet. Remember, there are two seals on there. And we're going to sing a cappella. My Jesus, I love thee. Then we're going to read from Mark. And then we're going to participate in worship in this way. Would you sing with me? My Jesus, I love thee. Just the first two verses. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin. Yeah.
if you would peel back just the clear part of that and take the wafer out of the top and hold that in your hand just for a moment. While you're holding that, I asked you to turn to Mark 14. This is taking us back to the meal that Christ, when he changed it from the Passover celebration to what we celebrate today, communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. And in Mark chapter 14, I'm going to start reading in verse number 17. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I want to pray. I want to ask you to pray on your own, or I can lead you if what I'm saying resonates with you. And then we're going to have just a moment of silence while the piano plays through for you to pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for what this means. We would think of it as a, even a conversation so long ago that took place between the Father and the Son. And the Son seeing us and seeing the price that had to be paid. And I think in my head of him saying, Father, may I? And the Father would say, yes, you may. Because we have a plan to bring fellowship, to bring redemption. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for what we celebrate on this day. And it brings a tear to our eye often when we think of the price that Jesus had to pay. That he was betrayed. When we think of loneliness and how it affects us and how powerful it can be, we understand that the Son of God was so alone. And Psalms talks about this. We thank you that he was willing to do this even when you, Father, had to turn your face away. And we thank you for what that means because he was willing to spend some time separated because he was willing to pay this price and go through this horrible, horrible death. It means that we have an audience with you right now and you hear my prayer. It means that we have new mercies for each day. It means that we have the grace that we need. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a job and we thank you that that started when we met that wonderful salvation that began at the cross. And we thank you for Christ willingly laying down his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take just a moment to pray while the piano plays through?
Amen. When Jesus met with his followers, he said to them, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. It really is bittersweet. I wish I could read your minds right now. Some of you have very somber thoughts about the cross, Christ's suffering. I was thinking about his lifeless body being taken down just a moment ago. Some of you are thinking about heaven. Some of you are thinking about what this means for us. What a bittersweet practice that the Lord has given us. I want to ask you to sing with me again verses 3 and 4 of My Jesus, I Love Thee. Let's sing together. I love thee the juice that's in the cup. Be careful with that. We understand that it's by the shedding of blood that God accomplished the possibility of our salvation. I want to pray for us. And then the piano is going to play through. We're going to give you a chance to pray. Pray with me. Our loving Father, as we look to you with these songs that oftentimes will point us back to the cross, we thank you. Thank you for men and women who have been so led to pen those songs and put them to music. We thank you for how special music can be in our worship and to point us to the cross and to heaven and to the grace that we need for each day. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the shed blood of your Son. almost feels unusual when we read in the scriptures that it pleased the Father to bruise the Son. And yet this was your perfect and good plan. And we thank you for that. We praise you, Lord, for what it means for us each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take a moment to pray while the piano plays through softly?
Amen. The Bible says, After supper he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. We're going to sing a closing song in just a moment, but I wanted to read from Ephesians chapter 4 before we do that. If you want to turn there, you can. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read a section there. This talks about the unity of the body of Christ. And of course, we've already been challenged today with what we can do personally and what we can do with the church as a church during this unique season. Ephesians chapter 4, I'll start reading in verse number 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, He ascended on high. He led a host of captives and He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You have a job, my sisters. You have a job, my brothers. You've been called to this. God will equip you with it. And wonderfully, we can serve him here in this present world. And yes, we look forward to when he calls us home, but do not miss what he has for you to do in the meantime. Would you stand with me, please? We are going to sing one more song. It's a DVD song. And I I selected this for us uh, because specifically, it's Here I Am to Worship, which is a familiar song. But as you look, if you're able to look at the screen when we sing it, Um, it does a very good job of reminding us of the reasons why Christ had to go to the cross. And so here I am to worship. Sing with me.
Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see.
said at the beginning. There's two things we need to keep in mind, personally and for our congregation, our church family. We need to not drop the ball with the Great Commission. People coming to Christ. The choices that we make, the things that we do, how we conduct ourselves are going to shine a light or else they're not going to help with that. And as a church family, you pray. Pray for your brothers and sisters. We are hurting. People are hurting. Pray for the leadership in these unique days. It's so wonderful to know that God is in control. He doesn't let us know what's going on all the time, though, does he? I firmly believe that you and I are going to be in heaven someday and we're going to look back at these last several weeks and we're going to say, oh, look at what God did. Look at what happened there. Look at how that led to that. Look at the beauty of his plan there. And this is why it's so important to hold on to the fact that he is good and he is loving and he's in control. And you and I get to be a part of that. Commit yourself to being a part of that. Let me give you um, uh, some, I'll dismiss you by groups in just a second. Before we do that, let me remind you again, next week, service times change. 9, 10, 11. Say that with me. 9, 10, 11. All right. So nine o'clock early service. We'd love for you to come to that. Um, you can space out a little bit more if you want to in the early service. Um, then 10 o'clock, the, we have the three groups meeting for the a, ABF groups. And then 11 o'clock, of course. So, And if you're going to be listening over the radio or right now for folks that are listening, it will be that 11 o'clock service that gets broadcast over WMPC Live. So thank you for being a part of that. Okay, we are going to let Roger Wilson... Wait, uh, uh, Brad, did you have something? Oh, the balcony. Okay, balcony. Balcony is dismissed to go. You guys are first to the buffet or wherever you're going. <laughs>